Pepper Stories. Today we have Stav Folly covering Red Hot Chili Peppers. I could have lied. How's it going? Yo, yo, what's up? Thanks for being on. Yeah, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, uh, the first thing we always ask: Why this song? Uh, this song, in particular, on that album by Red Hot Chili Peppers, this song stands out. And it was I, I was younger, and it was it just like always stuck with me. I, I read the book by Anthony Kiedis at one point too when Scratch I was younger, issue. and uh, something about it, just one in particular was like when I was fifteen, I got a guitar from my aunt, and it was one of the first songs that I like kind of figured out, and it was like I always wanted to cover it, so it was cool. At this point, I've got the ability to do my own version how I want, really to kind of blend myself with the people that influence my music. That's awesome. Yeah, it is a it is kind of unique for that album. It's on Blood Sugar Sex Magic, um, and it's it's one of the songs that Anthony Kiedis is, is actually trying to sing on. You know, he's not just scatting, and yeah. you know, he's not doing a a, a funk or hip hop impersonation. And that's not like insult to him. That's just that's just the way he does. You know. Um, so yeah, the song <laughs> is about Sinead O'Connor. I learned recently. And yeah. He, he talks about it in Scar Tissue about how they their relationship. It wasn't even sexual. He just was like head over heels for her, and she called. I think she left a voicemail and told him that she was leaving to Ireland. Yeah, and something like that. It was like a cold cut yeah. into the relationship, and it like devastated him. And he called Frusciante, and he was and Frusciante was like, "No, we need to write a song about this." And they stayed up all night writing the song. Exactly, and I think that that I I read that, but only recently, and it was a I think a few months back actually, prior to even hearing about this. And it kind of, that formula, that's the same thing that I do. You might have like a situation in life that has you feeling a, a type of way. And I usually, I'll go home and put that energy into my music and it, it's a good outlet. Is it so, Is it more of a catharsis or an inspiration? Or like, what, what do you feel as far as like taking these real life events and, and writing your music? Do you feel like it's just uh, for catharsis or do you feel like you need something like that to kind of motivate your songwriting? It, it'll depend on, on the situation. Um an example that something, you know, not so good might have happened to me and I'll go home and write a song that's positive that I'm telling myself at that time, you know, like get, you don't give up. Like maybe I'll make a song about something like that or, um, so that later when I go back and listen to that, it motivates me. It's, it's it, half the time they'll be directed at myself. That's dope. That's dope. It's, it's, uh, it's always interesting to hear about like the genesis of these songs, especially a song. I mean, this is a, Almost this is thirty years old. The album came out in ninety one. Yeah, and uh, you know we kind of hear, we hear the singles, the single, huge singles. It was a huge album. I think it was their second best selling after Californication later. Um, but you know you associate this album with Give It Away or with uh, Under the Bridge, especially. Sure. And this song is kind of in between those, and yes. it's it's a gem, man. There's a video of Anthony Kiedis and John Frusciante playing it. Um, acoustic, on and I don't know if it's on YouTube or was it I, Funky Monks the documentary? It, it probably is a clip from that. It's just it's a standalone, but I think that that I had heard the album and then somewhere I saw the video and I think that I could feel the realness from Anthony. Yeah, and it was a that that was a big influence I think right there. Not even necessarily listening to the content of the words, but just kind of feeling it and seeing how he felt was a big uh, connection. Yeah, I think uh, I think I know what you're talking about exactly because I watched Funky Monks recently, like a few days ago. Just yeah. that's that. Just for those who don't know, it's a documentary about the making of this album. Rick Rubin is the first album to do it. Rick Rubin, yes, um, and uh, he had this mansion out in L.A. and it's supposed to be haunted. They stayed there. Well, everyone except Chad stayed there. Chad was afraid of ghosts, uh, apparently. Um, that's right. But uh, but they uh, you know they stayed there. They recorded there, and it's just about the making of this album. And it's uh, it's it's a really good documentary, especially for anybody who just you know wants to learn about Red Hot Chili Peppers or just making an album. Yeah. But that that part, I think uh, after that they they kind of um, they juxtapose that part with like him driving and like downtown L.A. and they're talking to him, and and he's got this like Lothario type of like you know like horny bastard type of mentality yeah. personality. You know, he just comes up and he's. Got a song, you know, all the songs are so many song titles that are just about being horny. Yeah, and to see him like be sincere and like sentimental, and he wasn't sad, but it was it was just raw. It was cool to see that that side of him for sure. Exactly, and I think that's that's in part of why I wanted to perform it today because I have um, 
not necessarily intense songs, but I've, you know, lyrics about intense certain things. And I'm really, I bring a lot of energy. I just got done with a rehearsal with some musicians yesterday and we're really adding some aggression to these songs. And I kind of wanted to have that same like um, raw exposure to it. Well, with the twist, obviously. Yeah. It's dope, man. I, I think, um, you know, when it comes, I, my favorite type of Chili Pepper songs are the more like, not so much like the, the sadder ones, but the little bit ones that are a little bit more uh, taken back, a little bit more raw, uh, not as, as crazy funk, which I'm not against. I just like, I, I Under the Bridge, I love, I love Californication. Um, yeah. and, and Scar Tissue is my favorite song of theirs. Um, so just the ones that are a little bit like they're holding back a little bit, but it's still, it comes out in, in the music. Yeah. There's, I think my favorite song is it this Velvet Glove. Is that what it's? Do you know that song by them? Uh, it's on the the end of one of their albums. I can't think of which album right now. But it's about it's Anthony Kiedis writing a letter to John Frusciante when he was out, kind of strung out on drugs. And so that I think that that's another level of I could have lied. Definitely check that one out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll have to look at, look it up. Make sure I got that title right. Yeah, we we uh yeah, it's it's one of those songs. It's one of those. I, I feel like they're one of those bands that they've gone through so much, and you can hear it in, in all, especially their their more recent music. It's just I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about how it's almost like a, a religious experience for them now, you know, and how they talk about like the stuff that they've gone through. Yeah, I think uh you know with with Hello Slovak dying, and then their addiction problems, and and little by little, you know, when when, when Frusciante left and. And I, there was that MTV newsreel where he just he just looked bad. It just we thought like yeah. I remember I got into them when Californication came out, but I remember going back and looking at that stuff, and I was just like, "How is this dude still alive? Like it's it's great, but like man, he was yeah, exactly. hanging on." <laughs> Definitely, it's uh so uh you know in in talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers uh and and just their the thing that I find most interesting about it, and a lot of the podcasts I listened to talking talked about them is that the fact that. They're huge fans of, of funk, and that's obviously clear. But they're also huge fans of hip hop, uh, just black music in general. And when, when uh, they wanted to kick Anthony out before Freaky Styley, I believe either before Freaky Styley or before Mother's Milk, and Anthony Kiedis told Flea, "He's like, no, I need to be the white James Brown or the '80s James Brown," is what he said. Okay. And there's this appreciation there, and you can hear a lot of homage. I mean, they covered Stevie Wonder, you yes. know, and and. I was listening to uh, this this podcast, Sixty Songs That Defined Nineties. They talk about Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and that the first track he's like imitating uh, Chuck D. You know, way he's enunciating is very. You can tell he just like was listening to Public Enemy a lot. Exactly. And then the second track he's imitating Rakim. You know, and it's just a, a very bombastic type of enunciation. And then he goes into a song like I Could Have Lied or Under the Bridge, and it's just like that's just him being him. I think that that's. That's the biggest mark on my influence. Him and other artists, but may, he was a big one in the sense that he really reached directly from black music from, it seemed, you know, an honest place. Yeah. Um, because some people are will use rap music or something like this in a path that's not so personal. And I relate to him in the sense that there's certain rhythms and types of songs and musics that, uh, that I just, I feel... You know, and he was he performed this place from an honest place, so it's I think that's the biggest influence. And then the variety in that that they're a group, but they in one album you could hear you know five different genres or all these different things, and they made it fit within one pocket. When you hear Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know it's them. Yeah, right out the gate, it doesn't matter on the song, and that's really big for me when I make my music. When you hear my music, you, hopefully you know it's me, and that's. You know, I, I take that from him. Anthony doesn't do anything but be himself, you know. And that's, if you really want to be unique, you know, that's the message of the day. If you really want to be unique, it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah, definitely. And I think there it's a testament to not just him, but the whole band and that they can take these different influences and still be unique and still be themselves. Yeah. You know, just like you're saying, you know, it's it's really cool to be able to identify, oh, you know, he... This is inspired by George Clinton. Oh, this is inspired by Gang of Four. Oh, this is this is just them now. And this is what they yeah. do. And now it's the other way around because you hear bands trying to be them. Exactly. It's wild. It's, I mean, it's a, what did they say, the, mo the most, 
I can't think of the phrase, but you know, often when I was learning music, they had you emulate someone first, and then you can kind of discover your own sound from there, because you're starting to learn the formula from them. You start by like studying their content, essentially, like what they're doing, and then you you start to figure out why, and that that formula will kind of apply to you. Yeah, like imitation is the best form of flattery. That's the phrase. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I you know, I think uh, I feel like everybody who's a musician, a musician, uh kind of learned that way you know you you know what you like and you know what you want to play and then from there it just triggers off into other different things yeah i heard a it was a an incubus documentary and uh jose pasillas was just saying he was like started a phrase being like oh yeah i kind of borrowed a beat from this and that and then at one point he was like all right i'm not gonna lie, i just stole it <laughs> and that kind of influenced me as a kid like you could just start by take a piece of content to figure your stuff out and then you can twist it from there it's a Kind of like taking something that already exists and putting variation on it. Yeah, I appreciate a lot of these, especially these like legendary, iconic artists. Um, you know who who like fully admit to that. You know, and I think it's 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 very nice to hear that as somebody who you know looks up to these people and that they can do, and then the, the fact that they are willing to not just admit that, but also say, "Hey, if you like us, you should like this too," because this is what influenced us. Yeah. It's a really cool, like, uh, kind of uh, rites of passage in a way that, you know, that they are opening it up for, for the people that came before them. And people talk a lot about Fishbone with Red Hot Chili Peppers, and, and, you know, Fishbone and Red Hot Chili Peppers are very similar. And, uh, you know, Flea's a huge Fishbone fan and, and tries to rep them as much as possible. And he'll, he's, I think he's even said that, like, yeah, they're better than us. They should have had our success, <laughs> you know. And, and it's just, uh, it's cool. It's cool to see that come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to, you know, your, your sound, you've got a very unique sound. Uh, what, you know, Red Hot Chip Leppers have an influence. What other bands or artists, uh, kind of influence you to, to make your sound? Man, uh, it, it's, it's a really long list and it's a really large variety. Um, I think my, my parents, they listen to just so much music, like, uh, if I was in my dad's truck, he might play like an outcast song and then the next thing come up to be tool. And then the next thing to come up to be chili peppers. And it was just, I could definitely say everything was based around rhythm. Definitely. Um, but those, my big influence was all a lot of wild stuff, but lyrically, definitely, uh, Isaac Brock from modest mouse. Um, Classic, went through my Kurt Cobain phase, definitely. Um, and then a bigger phase of the Dave Grohl, which were, I was a, I'm a drummer, so seeing him take his ability to teach like a whole band a song he wrote, was a, that was a big one. So I think that uh, like kind of wacky Isaac Brock lyrics and Dave Grohl energy might be where I come from, but definitely um, so much rap music. Uh, Outcast, Ludacris, Word of Mouth album was something I played crazy, um, like crazy. Uh, obviously, like Slim Shady and those guys, Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, Dr. Dre, The Chronic. I think I drummed to that thing just too much, too much. But like I said, I came from a drumming kind of perspective, so usually it was on that. And I went to school for music, so I played a lot of jazz. And then in my college days, I think my biggest jam was D'Angelo. Uh, Eric Badu, uh, all those guys, the Soulquarians. Uh, Jay Dilla is my idol for sure. Like in my production, JD, I studied him crazy, and Questlove, the the drumming, was where I picked up from him. So, like I said, the list is kind of crazy; it would never end. But uh, definitely those guys, that kind of Dave Grohl, JD, Quest, all those guys. That's awesome. Uh, I feel like we haven't talked about Jay Dilla enough on this podcast in the forty-six yeah. plus episodes we've done. Crazy. And Crazy. I just, uh, you know, for the short time he was here, like what he accomplished, and and you hear so many people trying to be him, you know, trying to do what he did, and definitely there's uh, I, I like uh, last minute of the night is my favorite Jay Dilla song, and uh, it's yeah. I feel like people have kind of come on to him a lot more lately. I I was late, sure. I got into him right after he died because he produced or he had a few uh, beats on uh, the Roots uh, Game Theory. Which was yeah. like my first like backpack hip hop album, I guess yes. I could say, um, and I, I love that album to this day. Uh, but like just hearing the, the the way 
the way he put stuff together and and it just it's it's almost like the way I feel about uh you know Riza and and um and Wu Tang and just that there's these these things that sound so nostalgic and they sound like they actually are just part of a different part of like pop culture not even like mm-hmm. music I mean obviously there's the, the kung fu influence with with Wu Tang but there's just like this 70s like sound with, with Jay Dilla and it's very I don't want to call it lo-fi because it's not lo-fi necessarily yeah, it's not and see that that that's for me, that's a personal pet peeve. That that whole phrase is crazy because he did. I would say, the the lo-fi sound you hear now it comes from JD definitely, but JD in the sense in the same sense when guys were playing jazz, they didn't call it jazz. It's you're just playing music, like you're just playing what you feel. And then later, someone every genre ever has been named by someone who didn't play it. I mean, that's something I'm always talking about. Um, and and JD just had this. He just had a feel like that's the thing, too, because and I'm getting all crazy about it. But the lo-fi usually will have kind of softer drums. Jay Dilla's drums hit crazy, like in your car. They'll slap like and uh, that's I think that's a. That was a big thing, too. He falls in that category of when you hear his music, you know, it's him most of the time. And that's that's why everybody on my list usually. Is somebody like that? You put on that song, you're like, oh, that's so and so. If you ever heard it before, at least. Yeah, it's it's almost like even if it's not there, it's like you can hear the crack of the vinyl with any one of his samples. Like it just it just sounds. It's the swing. Too. Yeah, the way he he just has the instead of like a regular straight, he has this little a slight swing. I mean, I used to sit with the records in like loop and just jam. I, I lived in an apartment, so I had to play super softly on my drums, but I would just. I looped his stuff crazy, just trying to figure out that swing, like from a scientific standpoint. And I think that's why I'm saying it was just his natural feel. Cause it, it got to a point where I'd studied it so scientifically that I was overthinking it. Like he's just like letting that thing, he's just letting it feel like some, you'll see on YouTube and stuff, drummers try to do a Jay Dilla style and they overswing it. Like it's like, it's so slight. It's just so natural. And I think that's eventually I just took that formula. It's like don't try so hard. Just let what you feel come out. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, when when Donald Glover was playing Lando Calrissian, he t- was talking to um, uh, oh my god, Billy. Uh, I got to play Lando in the original. I can't remember his name right now. Billy D. Williams, and he's like, yeah, like he's like trying to study him. Like, hey, like you know, you did this and you did this in this scene. And Billy D's like, dude, just be cool, man. Like that's the whole concept, yeah. you know. <laughs> It's so cool to, to to hear like to see that with with these with older artists and these iconic these artists who just that was just what they did. It's subconscious. Yes, I love I love listening to Quest Love. I learned so much from Quest Love on a daily basis from his Twitter feed, from his Nardwar interviews, yes. from everything he does. And uh, I think the thing that I learned about him is just that everything about him is just so fluid. And I think there was a clip of him. He fell asleep playing drums i wouldn't uh, yeah i wouldn't <laughs> put it past him man. it's wild and then like someone wakes him up and he's just he was playing the whole time he was asleep he was literally drumming in his sleep it's wild and he's he's a, a hard worker Crazy. yeah like i don't i think he pretty much works all day every day and he's so multifaceted i mean there's he's a, i love that he's a student of music in the sense that i remember watching because you know with, with him being with the, the roots being on on fallon uh, I love hearing him co- like just comment on different bands that come through, and I remember yeah. Battles was on, and he was just obsessed with the dude's drum set. He was just like, "This is the coolest drum set I've ever seen." Yeah, man. He's Questlove's a big one for me. Uh, honestly, is uh, when I was in high school, I got this little story about it. I Questlove was my favorite drummer, and my drum teacher was trying to get us like on to certain things to study, and. uh you know, and we're not going to point out who it was, but <laughs> he he was like, that rap music, he's like, it's just, you're going to learn it's just ignorant. He's like, when you get to college and stuff. I was probably like 14 or something. And man, I just like set out to take revenge, basically. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go get a whole degree in music, like study it, and then I'm going to go make rap music, which I didn't know the timeline of it necessarily. But, um, you know, it it is still to this day a driving force. It wasn't like a perp. I mean, that's like one of those. That's the deadly racism, you know. Yeah. Like to be honest, to put it out there, uh, yeah, there's no white hood to to catch. It's that's just like a sly remark. 
slid in, you know, to the youth, uh, depending, it could have been the wrong kid, you know, I took it differently because of how I was raised, but yeah, it, it kind of definitely lit a fire under my ass, and that all had to do with Questlove, and I just studied the crap out of Questlove, I liked what he liked, he liked everything, he didn't have a, a specific genre, he just liked drums, like, all music, and I think that helped me to really branch out, like, it didn't matter, rap music, metal, like, jazz, throughout the day, variety, so. Yeah. Big inspiration. Shout out Questlove. Oh, for sure, man. And he's just a cool dude on top of all of that, you know? Man, I, I've, I've been to New York once, and we were unable to go to a Jimmy Fallon show. But mark my words, I will I will meet Questlove. I've, I will. <laughs> he just, you know, everything about it. And on top of all that, he's got this humility that is, like, completely unnecessary but does not feel fake. It doesn't feel like he's, like, feels like he needs to be that way. He genuinely, I was reading an article when Max Roach died. Max Roach was like at a bar and he was talking to him and I think he convinced him like, hey, we should do a drum off, you know, for the people. So Quest sets up his drum set. And Max Roach just brings out a hi-hat and a snare. And he's like, he whipped my ass. Like he made yeah. me look like I was like just beginning at drums, yeah. like with a hi-hat and a snare. Exactly. I love that appreciation. I love, I just love learning stuff from him. He's just awesome to listen to. Yeah. Um, when it, uh, so, so he's, your favorite drummer? Yeah, I, d I think he would probably be number one. Who are some of your other favorites? I mean, you mentioned Dave uh, Grohl. Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl is cold man. He's def. I, I definitely would put him up there. Uh, Chad Smith. I mean, it depends on what we're saying. Like favorite, but influence is another thing. Kind of. Chad Smith uh, was a huge, crazy influence, and then uh, Max Roach. Huge, uh, Art Blakey. It it really the it'll become mostly jazz guys, because in college uh, my teacher was Butch Miles. He drummed with uh, Count Basie, and all these guys. So we really had like a jazz base. But it to me as a mu if you're a musician, you should spend some point learning about jazz because it's the root of American music. I mean, there's this thing you can do. Uh, I, I did it. I had students that I would do this with. Find your favorite artist and then find their favorite artist and then find their favorite artist and just go back down and do this with like four different people that you really like. And you'll be surprised how often it'll link to the same few people. So, because you can see like Louis Armstrong, et cetera, et cetera. It's usually going to be some jazz guys. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, I, I love talking about jazz. I'm definitely on the surface level of jazz and. It's just so massive, and, and I like what I like, and I, I try to, to go from there, but when you open up the floodgates, it just all comes pouring in, and yeah. it's overwhelming. Yeah. Jazz is crazy. I, yeah. I used to drum that. When I drummed that live, I think that was one of my favorite feelings. It's kind of like you're on edge because you don't know what's going to happen. You really you got to wait to respond to what's happening in the room. It's a really cool energy. I always, I've always like associated I, – I didn't smoke cigarettes for long – but I always associate listening to jazz as that nicotine buzz. Like, there's just something yeah. about, like, how it, like, I hate to say it because I don't want to, like, condone smoking cigarettes, but, like, it makes you feel cool. Listening to jazz makes you feel cool. There's sure. no other way to put it, yeah. you know? I had a, a teacher once tell me, like, when I was in, I was playing a certain swing style, and he was like, just like, you're in a club and you have a big cigar hanging out your lip or whatever. <laughs> and it, it helped me play a certain style. So, kind of, I feel you in that mentality. That's dope, man. I, I, I just love, the divide the aesthetic of everything i mean i used to when i first got kind of blue i used to drive around yes, in this, my old car and just just drive around listening to it on repeat and uh you know I, I i didn't have a cd player so i actually had to bring my walkman and hook it up to computer speakers that i put behind my yeah my car seats and uh and yeah man it, there was nothing like i was on top of the world at that point it was wild man speaking of crazy car setups my brother used to have this like ghetto car stereo setup, and I would sit in the back seat because I don't remember the front seat was often occupied by a speaker, and then the other speaker was in the back seat. would It would have to sit in your lap <laughs> in order to fit in the car, and so like you're literally feeling that music like because we jamming like Static X. I don't know if you heard of them. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. some heavy like metal or like, mud vein or something like this. But yeah, that I just that made me think of when you said you had that speaker setup. That's funny, man. Yeah, man, I we had to do what we had to do to listen to because I I can't get in the car, especially if I'm by myself and not have music of some kind. Yeah, 
it's got to have some kind of vibe. And, and I, I've always appreciated just driving around. There's this, there's a therapy aspect to it where you're just driving around and, and it, feel, it makes you feel better. It's the biggest. I mean, that's the biggest part of my process when I make music. It's the final test is in the car. Oh, yeah. Like, no matter what. Like, well, I was living uh, in Houston recently and I, I live by myself and I would make all this music. And then every time I would have to end up getting in my car and just driving somewhere to, to test it out, come back, fix the mix, do it again, this and that. But yeah car test man it's the same thing like is it gonna vibe right when someone's driving down the road yeah it's dope man um who are who are some of your your favorite mcs or do you have a top three or top five or or anything like that Ooh, not ready for that one (laughs) top five that it would be tough there's a it's interesting. I love talking to people about this because there's different ways to look about it. You know, there there's yeah. people who look at it from a technical standpoint and then there's people who look at it from a personal standpoint. Yeah, see cuz I got like the guys that influenced me but then I got the guys who I know are going crazy right now. Like whether it makes people feel a type of way, Drake has to be in there. Yeah. Like in honestly Kendrick and J Cole, that's already three spots. And then I like, aside from listing numbers, I've got heavy influences, like Most Def, Andre 3000, which, it's like, I also, like, y'all know Lil Baby? Yeah. He's crazy. Like, I feel like he needs to be in at least top 10, and so, but I think, man, and then you got, like, Lil Wayne, it's just, it's too crazy. There's, it's, there's so many, it's so many, yeah, like he said, because it could be vibe, performance, it could be straight lyric ability. Because usually when I'm looking at an artist or a rapper, I'm looking for, like, what energy does it come with them? Because, oh, man, obviously Kanye. I can't skip that. See, that's crazy. So that's, like, I already named, like, 10 people. So just <laughs> fit those in somewhere in some order. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I always see Andre come up as, like, the most unappreciated or underrated because he's obviously, Outcast is huge, but for what he does with the English language is just. Yeah, and you know what? Now that I think about that, it's like I really shouldn't ever just say under 2,000 because I'm a strong believer that without Big Boy, he wouldn't have had that lane to do, like, what he does. They're on the Wonder Twin shit, man. Like, yeah, when they come crazy. together, it's untouchable. Because also Big Boy's bars are, like, they're hard. Try to spit those verses, man. They're hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I I got into them, Stankonia era, and B.O.B. is, like, my fa- I know the words, most of the words to B.O.B., and when I try to do it like at karaoke or just in like my car, yeah. I Mine's flow. From, uh, my favorite album was uh, AT Aliens. Oh yeah. Like one of my favorite verses was that like a uh, uh, the polar bears. Oh hell, there he goes again talking that shit. Bang, corners like he struck a nerve. I was it that one. Yeah. That whole album is crazy, but all the big boy verses are crazy. They were like nineteen when that came out, right? I don't even know. They were real young because I think uh, God, there was there's a school that. He went to, or that they went to with someone else. And when they were seniors, someone was a freshman, someone who's like popular. And I can't remember. Um, but uh, I think they, that, that's how they met Erica Badu, I think. They went to high school together, I think. Because, I mean, of course, the Miss Jackson's Bro, about yeah. her mom. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. so cool, man. And Erica Badu is, shout out Erica Badu. Yeah. She's the coldest. It's a, uh, she's one of those people, I can't. I can't. I it's a blind spot because I can't name any one of her songs, but any song I've heard from her, I've enjoyed. Definitely, and she has a lot of like crazy productions from Jay Dilla that you wouldn't know. Those are ones that will you'll have to look at the production. You'll be like, "Whoa, that was JD. That's crazy." But like uh, some that stand out more, like "On and On," is a really cool combo between singer and producer. That's a Jay Dilla produced that for Erica Badu. I think JD has that that influence on me because I I want to work with singers and like this all artists as a, from the producer standpoint, not just as an artist. I think that's that's super cool to have that ability. I think that whole era of hip hop is the reason why genres become more and more meaningless now, twenty years later, because they they obviously threaded the line and they were true to themselves and they're unique, but they put that type of music in in the seats of people who weren't listening to it and. There was, I remember, like, Real World New York, the second New York one, there was a dude from Milwaukee, and someone, and one of the, the other people mentioned, like, oh, Rosa Parks. He's like, oh, that Outcast song. Like, yeah. He had no idea Rosa Parks' significance. It was ignorant, but at the same time, it's like, oh, wow, like, he knows about Rosa Parks because that's, of that's Outcast. A, that's a good song, too. Yeah. 
That might have been one of the first songs I heard by them. I think I think the same, but I didn't know who it was. It was one of those yeah. songs like I could like remember like getting stuck in my head, but not knowing who it was. Yeah, I don't think I ever. I didn't know half the artists I was listening to. I usually would just be like, put on that one song, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's cool. I love. I just love listening to to the way things have have been able to become a lot more fluid in, in genre. We always talk, especially on the show, we talk about, you know, how, how genre is so all over the place now. And Crazy. and going back to, to that era of the night, they were all ahead of their time, you know? It's, it's funny you bring that up. When I was in sixth grade, I, I had a, my, I wanted to have a band called Genre, J-O-N-R-U-H. And like the whole concept was going to be, we every song was a different genre. Which in turn, I sort my music kind of feel in the album I'm working on right now. That's definitely gonna have that feel, but like that's that's a when you're talking about Benny genre, it's funny because it might have hit that era right then at the right time. Because I had friends too. I played drums, and my friend Aziz played guitar, and then I had a friend Mo. You know, recipes. My friend Mo, he passed away a few years later after that, but he was a good friend who rapped. And I remember I played drums and I was like, what? We have to do rock, dude. And he was like, no, you can rock out and have rap. And I think that that was, it's crazy. It's a, that time period, kids were starting to figure that out. You could really just mix this stuff. Yeah, and it's crazy to think about because 10 years before that, I mean, 10, 15 years before that, you've got like Run DMC working with Aerosmith. That's like the biggest one. But you also have like Anthrax working with Public Enemy. And then Chili Peppers kind of, filled that void into time and then by the late 90s new metal is like all over the place and there is a gentrification aspect to it where it it becomes more about aggression as opposed to you know fluidity of of lyrics and 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 technique and which i'm not gonna like you know shit on that but it's 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 very different you know there's there's less homage there's just a lot of a lot of of uh you know high testosterone and, and there's a lot of toxic aspects of it there's some aspect of it that can be sensitive, but for the most part, the more toxic elements are what became popular. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, so when you were, were playing, in, you know, growing up as as a drummer, what what got you into hip hop? Was it just something that was always around you, or do you think that something? Did you have a moment where you're like, oh, this is what I what I'm all about, or what I want to listen to? Like a switch, yeah. Like, uh, well, I think I still, I think hip hop is my favorite music because. It samples, um, and I think that I think that it's the only music that outright samples. Every other music still samples. They just kind of they're not so upfront about it. Like uh, just throughout history, I mean, th- there's twelve notes in in the po- twelve possible tones. So the combination of chord and scales is limited. So hip hop kind of took it to another level. Instead of just stealing like a chord progression or something like this, uh, they literally take a piece of a song. And put it in their own and remix it kind of. And to me, that formula is what has made art progress forward this whole time. Kind of like I was saying earlier, like my favorite art is something that has variation upon the existent. Like something that already exists, but they kind of put their own twist on it. So it has like kind of that infrastructure of, or that foundation of the existing art with your little flair. And I feel like, Hip hop is the. It has that energy, but it has that energy plus the energy of just working with what you got, because that's where it really came from. Was just using the equipment around you. You couldn't afford instruments in this and that, so you sample tapes and things like this. I started out with just producing, like a, I think I chopped up a whole Al Green record. I chopped up a whole Curtis Mayfield thing. Basically anything Kanye ever chopped, I chopped it up myself. It would make my own version of the songs. But and that it was just an addiction. So I don't really, I can't pinpoint a specific year, but I think being a drummer, like I, if you're a drummer and you haven't drummed to some kind of hip hop, you're kind of missing out because it's the funnest aspect. I feel like it has a cool loop to it. You can kind of make your own fills and this and that. But I don't know. It, as far as I can remember, it's been like my favorite. It could have just been my, my parents' influence. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm so glad he wrote up samples. I don't think we've talked enough about samples on here because yeah. I think. As a kid, as a dumb kid, learning how to play guitar, who like I appreciated hip hop, but I didn't understand like how significant samples were. It almost made yeah. me feel not to the degree of your your teacher telling you that it's ignorant, but it almost made me feel like no, like the best hip hop is live hip hop and this and that. And sure. then I discovered, you know, 
like Paul's Boutique or like the Avalanches or like and uh, you know then I went even further back in you know the birth of hip hop in the seventies and and just uh, how they would take disco tracks. I mean, I I got really into uh, uh, Rapper's Delight. You know, at that time, I wanted to learn all the words and then yes. like, oh, that's that's good times. You know, like being able to have us like I I just love hearing when people can take a sample. And completely turn it on its head and have like a different meaning. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's like I took it to like a spiritual level, almost like, like because I like I'll sample my abilities to do certain things. Like I'll have this sample I'm working with in the song, and then I'm gonna sample my hours and hours of scales I practice in college, like to find out the scale of this song, and then I'm gonna create a harmonic progression under that, etc. And I'm a you know. I'm gonna make a beat that someone doesn't want. No. <laughs> that's usually how it goes, something like that. I think that's the most underrated part of of all of these producers that you don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see them matching yeah. pitches or matching time signatures or yeah. or like just creating polyrhythms with these samples. That's the most insane thing is when they can take something that's completely different and then just flip it yes. and make it work. That's my favorite. I, I like to take things in three. And make them in four. I'm not gonna go any further in that. <laughs> a little tidbit for my producers out there. Yeah, it's dope, man. Uh, I I like. I there was a. I don't know if it's still on, but there's a YouTube channel, and I remember seeing before he died. Uh, Mac Miller went on. He didn't want to go on for. A, they Listen would just piece. find these three random records and make a beat out of it. Yes, man. I that's uh, rhythm roulette. Yeah, yeah. I really want to, man. I want to do that. I was talking about that at one point, man. Uh, shouts out. I mean, rest in peace, Mac Miller, for sure. Uh, we're pretty much like the same age. Oh wow! Yeah, he's a he's crazy. I he was I, good. I love. I just love that dude. Like I just love watching him talk. He just seems yeah. like he's so appreciative of everything, and apparently, like he seemed like the best friend. Like, like Thundercat talks about him every once in a while, like how close they were. Yeah, and, he real. Yeah. Uh, he was an influence for me on the the Larry Fisherman. That's his pr- producer name. That was a big influence. Uh, he worked with like Vince Staples, super early Vince Staples, and like a uh, Earl sweatshirt and stuff. And they had a cool. I think that Mac Miller and Vince had a whole album or mixtape together. Oh yeah, it's super cool. I used to jam that a lot back in the day. It was. It's called Larry Fisherman and Vince Staples. Though. That's yeah. dope. Uh, I uh, Vince Staples is another guy. I just love watching him talk. He's funny, the dude. best interview of any, not just rapper, but any celebrity. He's too funny. And he's not even trying. He's just no. he's just saying shit. <laughs> he's just speaking truth. Crazy. Um, I, I, there's a, Amoeba Records has a, a YouTube channel. And they, they have this, this show called What's in My Bag. And he was on. And he's talking about what he bought at Amoeba. And he put out a Joy Division record. He's talking about how he loves Joy Division. And then he's from Long Beach, so he loves Sublime. Yeah. And then his even his cover was an homage to uh you know uh to uh Green Day. Man, yeah. all those three things you just listed are big influences. Huge. Man, sublime, crazy. Joy Division too. I went through a whole Joy Division phase. I went to South by and like watched a movie about Joy oh, Division. Yeah. I remember that. Me and my I was in a, a little duo band called New Transmission with my friend Skylar. And uh we went out there and we had this whole Joy Division phase, but yeah, all those things. Green Day is crazy influence, man. I forgot about that. I can't believe I didn't say that in my influence. Billy, oh, man. Billy Joe Armstrong. Man, huge. Uh, American Idiot. I know that's not the timeline everyone agrees with, <laughs> but that one, uh, like, obviously, Dookie and all that stuff musically was a crazy influence, but the the at the time, the vibe of American Idiot, that didn't exist, man. Like, there was protest music, but that thing was direct. Like, there was names straight up, like, in that genre of music, at least for me, it was it was really cool. It was a big influence. I remember in sixth grade, I went to school for like it was like dress up what you're gonna be when you grow up. And everyone's like nurse and like <laughs> fireman, and I I dress up as a rock star or whatever. I remember my teachers being like, "What?" Like a few of them <laughs> thought it was cool, but they were like, well, "I don't get it." But I dressed up basically like Billy Joe. I had like eyeliner, <laughs> all black with the tight black the pants. red tie, yeah, and a red tie, <laughs> all that exactly. I think. uh Green Day is always super interesting because there's they're a lot like the Chili Peppers uh, in the sense that you can see different people come in at different times of their career, and mm-hmm. then there is a constant like 
there's there's a lot of debate in the sense that there are people who love them and then got sick of them, and then there are people who love them, got sick of them, and then got back into them again. And I think with them, like especially like for me, I was kind of I was like a poser punk guy. I was like, oh, like those guys sold out. And then I started sure. listening to the lyrics and like, oh, like Billy Joe is a really really good songwriter. Yeah, man. I think that's one thing I never really appreciate. I'm always really bad at lyrics in general, but just some of the the, the songs are so simple, you know. But yes. they're they're so sincere. Man, that's it. That's the formula. Yeah, it really is. Like, you. Know, that's that's a big one. Simple is a big one. You can say a lot with you know not being too crazy with it. But yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of people who say nothing while putting out all these thirty cent words and and you know make trying to sure. make it evocative or or yeah. or uh, you know poetic and and you don't have to do that. It's not necessary yeah. all the time. Yeah, I'm a big fan of too uh, when an artist in their lyrics they talk about just regular stuff that applies to them like i i do not appreciate it when an artist's lyrics are about something that they obviously do not do or something like this you know if they talk about they live a crazy lavish lifestyle but you could you're like bro <laughs> what uh it, it's like you know if you're gonna be a farmer and a rapper and you're rapping about hay and horses that's fire that's cool to me if you're a farmer and a rapper and you're rapping about living in the city that's like i'm what? So um, that might be a bad analogy. But. No, I think it makes total sense, man. Because there's there's a lot of tone deaf aspects, of, especially lyrically, and people talking about things to where it just does not feel authentic. Yeah, and I think authenticity is one of those things about not just hip hop, but I mean any kind of you know any kind of music that that has you know underground roots. Mm-hmm. Authenticity is is one of the most important things because even if it's not, even if you're just telling a story. There are people who can tell a story that they've never done and you know they've never done it just because you've read about them, but you feel like they've done it. And when they can be authentic in that sense and and it makes you think like, oh, like I think Johnny Cash really did kill a guy in Reno, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. the way he sings it. Yeah. He does have an authentic sound. Is that song a cover? I can't tell with him. Sometimes I've, I listen to Johnny Cash and someone be like, oh, that's a cover. Like, damn, dude. Yeah. It's country music's interesting because it's a lot like jazz in the sense that there are standards, yes, and there are people who you just associate those songs with, and you're like, oh, like three other people played that before that person yeah. did. And that's that same like kind of sampling, yeah, making it your own energy. I've always loved that. That's a good point. You know, I, I think that's what that's what I've learned to love about sample. I love, I just love like being able to like associate things with that sample. I mean. One example I always think of is uh, Stan by Eminem. I mean, yeah, that song by Dido, is it's a love song. Yeah. But he, he plays the minor part of it as the hook, and all of a sudden it's a fucking haunting song. Yeah. It's wild. Crazy what you can do with just like a small part. Yeah. It's uh, it's cool. You know, I uh, do you do you listen to, to do you like Kid Cudi at all? I, I do like Kid Cudi. I'm not I'm not too I don't know too much. I need to listen to more for sure. I appreciate that he swings for defenses. When he started trying yeah. to produce his own stuff, people kind of gave him shit about it, but he was really into to Ratatat and he took Oh no, no, he was really into MGMT. He was also into Ratatat, but MGMT for one of his songs, he took he like went through his process on Twitter where he took the sample, reversed it and slowed it down. He was like explaining every part of it. Yeah. And it wasn't I don't I don't know. I I, I didn't really have an opinion on it. I didn't think it was good or bad. People kind of shit on it. Some people appreciated it. I just appreciate that he kind of let people into that process. Man. People are really opinionated. Yeah. <laughs> Especially online, man. They are online. That's crazy. They got a lot to say, for sure. But uh, I've definitely slowed down and reversed some samples before, so that's, that's fire. It's cool, man. Yeah, uh, I like to bend them, for sure. There's some crazy stuff. Like, I use this program called Ableton. You can really move the warp markers. Like, you can... You cannot just you can not only slow down and speed up a song, you can like slow down and speed up certain notes and like stretch parts and do things like this. And I'll I'll often do that, like record a simple guitar part, like just strum the notes, and then you can like reverse them and play with those chunks of those the reverse part. It's pretty crazy. That's dope. Do you, do you have a favorite type of era to sample from? I actually don't sample that much anymore. Like 
as soon as I started putting out like an album, like albums, like I didn't want to deal with clearing samples. So there's some things, uh, if it's like a really strange, crazy out there sample, or I'll have to research if I can clear it. Like I think on my, on my first album, I had like one sample and then the rest on like my love, the love EP, my second little project I put out, everything on there is just in-house sounds or, uh, there's, well, that's not true. There's a sample of JD talking, but that's, that's different. It's not a music sample. Um, but I try to avoid like sampling in general. It was my roots to start with, but it's just like a clearance thing right now. Oh, I yeah. definitely want to do a mixtape where I can sample from, but I think my favorite is going to be, it's going to be like old soul singers. Like if I can find cool harmonies, like vocal stuff. And like, if you can go fifties, forties area, the, the drums and the recording aren't too loud. So it's really easy to like phase them out and just use parts of whatever you want to do. But I also just like the roulette vibe. Like my mom shouts out mom. Uh, she's gives me records like hella $1 records, which that's my favorite uh, $1 bin. I just like to get like 10 or something. Uh, but currently my record needle is broken. So I'm actually just, that's part of it as well. So I've got a whole situation. I got to get my record situation set up, but I will go back to sampling eventually, but my big thing right now is playing real instruments and making like little sounds with a microphone and like morphing those sounds, which is the same energy as sampling a song. Yeah. It's just with like particular sounds, but I I do a lot of that. Like, uh, uh, for example, I like tripped one of my friends out that one of my favorite hi-hat sounds I use is actually a sample of a man screaming. And I just like, I sped it up crazy and made the pitch like plus 48 steps or something. And so it has a little to it, but it was really a part of someone screaming. So I'll take random stuff. Like I've got a whole file called like house samples, like a crunched up paper bag or something I tapped on. And I have thousands of recordings in my phone of everything throughout my day I sample. So I think I've stepped away from songs. I'm just like sampling real life half the time. That's rad, man. Yeah. It's it's cool, like, and that's the thing too about. I mean, music in general can come from so many different things. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's fun. I, I think that's just another fun aspect of sampling in general. It's a good way to get if you have no idea for a song that day. It's a great way to start. It's a good like inspiration starting point. Just have a little loop going, and you can kind of build from there. You could always like some people are so against using loops and this and that. You could start with a loop and then make build a song off it and take the loop away if you want. Or whatever. I, I love that part of it, too. I mean, just looping and then creating something from that loop and then just elevating it with every four bar, every eight bars, whatever, you know, yeah, and just seeing how it starts off with this little bass line and it, you add horns and you add this and you add that. And then by the end of two minutes, it's got a whole, like, symphony of sound. Sure. If you look at some of my songs closely, I do that same process in reverse. Oh, yeah. Um especially with my newer stuff, I like my songs to start where if you have the volume up in your car, when it hits, it's like going to scare you. It's going to make you jump. Like I li- the words will start on the first beat, like literally right out the gate, which I just stole that from DaBaby. He's like one of my favorite rappers. I'm not going to say that's an original idea. He has this like, he I literally I put on his song and it like scared the shit out of me. So I was just <laughs> like, man, I like that energy. Because also people nowadays don't have the attention span. Like, you know, some people can do an intro, but... For me, even personally, if the intro's too long, I'm going to skip it. So usually I'll start with a bang, boom, all the words, all the song uh, instruments, and then I'll kind of like thin it out at one point. Like after I've already got your attention, if you're two and a half minutes in, I'm going to have a moment where I kind of strip it bare. So I have, you can see that in my songs a lot. I have that formula like in reverse. But that's that's awesome, man. I, I think that that's such a good point because you like have five seconds to capture anybody's attention with anything now. Crazy. I mean. This is why trailers are so important now because you have to have this stylized, you know, this this stylized con con uh, condensed, you know, forms of of your story or or just uh, some sense of entice enticement, you know, and and yeah, I, I think that's 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 a great way to do it, you know, just uh, you know, and if 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 someone decides within those five seconds, then you're good, you know. From there, yeah. you can do whatever you want to. Artistically, yeah, that it's that first grab is really important. Something's got to happen immediately. I feel like you got to grab them. Who do you think is the best at kind of doing that? Is it in hip hop or any any genre or, or music in general? Probably like that. The baby is crazy with it. 
songs will start all crazy right out the gate. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, I don't know. But as I was thinking of it right now, I just thought of a rapper. I, f- I left off my list, by the yeah. way. Freddie Gibbs. I don't oh, know why yeah. I say that. It's like one of my favorite rappers. His stuff ever. with Mad Lib is dope. That's, that's how I got into him yeah, a little bit. His stuff with Alchemist recently, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. So crazy. But the Mad Lib, uh, Mad Lib stuff was a big influence, too. Mad Lib made all that on an iPad. Oh, yeah? That's cool to hear that. Like, it's not, you don't have to overthink the stuff. People think you really got to get something crazy going on. But yeah, I think, uh, that might be a big one, actually, Mad Lib and Freddie Gibbs, because Mad Lib will catch your attention right out the gate with the track, regardless of what's going on. But there was some cool stuff uh, that Alchemist did with Freddie that I really, you know, it influenced me too. In another completely different sense, not necessarily grabbing the attention, but he took the drums out on a lot of songs, which Kanye has done that too in the past, but really let, like, the words carry the rhythm. I love that too, because then you, your whole focus is going on what the guy's talking about, less whatever else not that that's what i intend i don't need people to focus on the words more usually on my song i like full package like it's just a vibe like if you didn't even hear the lyrics that's okay i always think back to was the nwa or they fuck it i go acapella you know just it's having that like yeah. and then you have you hear like a little bit of reverb in, in the vocals to where it's like resonating it's like you're there yes and like he's in, he or she's in front of you you know yeah i the mix on my songs the vocal is really in your face. Like, it's uncomfortably loud for me to listen to, almost. But that was, I sent it to my friend, who's now my drummer, um, which he's so crazy, David Montoya, Montoya Drums on Instagram. Follow him, crazy at drums. But I had sent him music when he was still living in L.A., and he was like, turn up your voice. And I sent him again, he was like, more. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) It was like four times until, I felt like it was blaring. And then basically I set that as, he probably didn't even know this, but I set that as like my new level. Like I really like my voice to be the center, which in my last few projects, it's obvious, but this upcoming one, it's really obvious. Like I've got, I've got a couple tracks where it's like me and an 808 and like, that's it. And like, I really like, it's, it's loud and wide. Like, uh, like Travis Scott's voice is so crazy loud and a part of the track. I love that too. That energy. Uh, Mike Dean, man, y'all know you know Mike Dean. I don't think so. He's a uh, the Yeezus album is a Mike Dean album. It's like a Mike Dean Kanye collab in my in my opinion. He's just like a synth master. I'm getting super off topic, but no man, that's music, just it's good. Oh, I love it, man. Uh, I think the way you're talking about it, like I black skinhead just rings out in my ears that that the vocals are just so yeah. In your Yeezus face. is so good, man, and a lot of people hated that that album, but I. For me, I'm a, and you know, depending on what Kanye is doing, sometimes it's something to keep a little more quiet. But I'm a big Kanye fan. Anything he puts out, I listen to. What's been your favorite so far? (laughs) Yay! Oh yeah, I think I think so. Which is really hard because all the older the college dropout is so important. Um, 808 and Heartbreaks, I feel like, is a really important album. Oh yeah, it's a crazy important album that really changed. That brought us like Lil Uzi Verts and all these guys, like uh, Juice Worlds and all them. But uh, but yeah, I think Ye, how personal he was on that first track, or just how like, just I don't even know if it was personal. It was like you know, vulnerable. I think is the yeah, biggest thing. Yeah, that's it. You know, and I think I saw someone say something like that, like the more vulnerable you are as an artist on a track, you're giving someone, the listener an opportunity to feel like that's okay for them to do, you know? And that's, I try to do that too. I'll, I'll have songs that I'm like uncomfortable with, you know? And that's the thing. So I think that that album was really cool in that sense. And the fact that he recorded it the way I recorded it. He didn't, he like sat in a room with like his friends, which is, that's not, I don't have friends. I do this by myself, but, um, I have friends. That's not what I mean. I got like two. <laughs> I got like two or three of those things. But I sit usually in my. I'm zoned out in my own area. But he just has a mic in a regular room and just records right there, like bar to bar sometimes or whatever. It wasn't some crazy studio or something like that. So and it sounded great. That's dope, man. I uh, I, I I love. I I prefer early Kanye, but just because I feel like with newer Kanye, it's you have to do your homework. I don't think I'm versed enough yeah. to like 
appreciate definitely, it now. Definitely on the miss the old Kanye. Yes, I feel like everybody. Yeah, it's, it's a cliche to say, but I mean. But I think that's, and yeah, you kind of got some of the energy in some songs. I mean, even in Jesus is King, I mean, aside from what he's talking about, but there are some songs where I was like, okay, this has some like dropout energy. Like I can't think of a particular track right now. That one I didn't listen to too crazy. I mean, I, I played it a couple times. Great sound quality and all that. But yeah, the old one, the old energy and what he was bringing to the table, like that's the inspiration for me, the biggest one, because he had the whole, like, he was a producer and everyone's like, you can't be a performer and blah, blah, blah. And, this. and uh, so I think that him overcoming that is like the whole thing that inspires a lot of producers to be their own artist, which nowadays I think it's, it's pretty set standard. Like the list of things you have to be able to do as an artist is longer than it used to be. Like it, you could usually cover it by just being able to rap or just sing. Now it's usually you got you got to do both, and it's usually it's even better if you can make your own beats. So, I I really I usually my friends that rap and stuff I usually tell them try to make your own beats because it's like it'll help you a lot in money and all this and understanding what beats you want to buy or this and that. But I think I I started with a duo with my friend. And he made beats, and then he had kind of started focusing on music and school. And that's when I was like, I needed, I was like, I was trying to buy beats, and people were like, $500 a beat, and this and that. I was like, that's crazy, no way. And I, just, <laughs> I just started sampling stuff and making beats. I was like 2013 or something, 2013. Got a computer. I was paying it off from my roommate month to month, like for like a year. And he let me buy this old MacBook Air. I use that thing forever. I, I use that to make the Stab Father album. And then eventually I upgraded equipment and this and that. But that thing was buggy. I used to have to record. <laughs> Sometimes I, I didn't have a mic for a little while, so I'd record the vocal on my phone. Oh, yeah. And then transfer it to the computer. It freeze half the time. I had a like a cracked version of Ableton. It was like always crashing. I bought one. Shout out Ableton. But, yeah, that was, that's crazy. That whole being a producer artist is the big influence from Kanye for sure. I feel like everything he does is deliberate too. Like nothing, nothing's a, a happy accident. It just that's what I find so interesting about him. Somebody after just Tyler the Creator's album just came out a few days ago, and someone on Twitter said that Tyler is the new Kanye, and mm. I, I've been thinking about it a lot because I don't know if if there's truth to that. I mean, there's definitely an aspect of truth to that, but. The way Tyler does these things is very similar to how it feels, at least like similar sure. to how Kanye did it. I could see that energy. Definitely, the thing about it on that though is that there's a lot of other people in that situation. Well, you know, Tyler might be one of the best producer artists that I could think of right now. He's another student of music because yeah, his Nardwuar interviews are amazing. I love. I learned so much from them. Yeah, he's he's a real deal sure his stuff is crazy out there and different he is himself 100 percent. super cool i need it and i'm definitely after this i'm probably gonna go jam the album i'm so focused on my own stuff but i definitely need to check that out because i know that i played a couple tracks and he had like some surprise features coming on i was like yeah yeah 42 doug on there and stuff 42 doug's really good but yeah that's he's good i I feel like uh him and like mag miller was in the same kind of energy Mac was getting crazy with his own production level. Was getting so good. That was something I didn't appreciate till after he died. Just reading about like people talk about how you literally hear him grow up through his albums, and you hear how each album is just better. He goes back, does his homework, comes back with something yeah. different, newer, and 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 better. See, I didn't, uh, I didn't put out music until November last year, and I feel like that whole. F- phase for me is just in my vaults of music because i started music i think i started rapping in 2016 i put out a mixtape which is not up anymore i eventually took it back down because i became a teacher for a long time so and then that i still made music like nonstop. so i've got like i don't even know hundreds of songs like crazy amount of music um a lot of it's on a hard drive that i need to recover still but a lot of it's still on my computer, but that's the same thing. You can really, if I go back, you can hear the growth through it. But it's kind of interesting to start at the standpoint where I already, I knew a lot of stuff already. So I was able to start stronger than a lot of my peers have 
like being able to because through their advice and help and this and that and trial and error and, and basically a rebranding because I had I was like D-Shot the music was my whole thing in 2016 and then I had came out with Stat Folly and, which the the name for that is just like it was a typo between me and my mom I think I was I needed a way to be secret at the time I wasn't showing my face or anything because like, I was a teacher and I was trying to keep it low key and uh, she texted me something and it was a typo it says stab folly and i was like all right that's that's perfect obviously we've dropped the whole hiding the face thing but that got old real quick i think lady gaga was it from a typo too yeah i think it was supposed to be haha and it was gaga or something like that perfect so it's it's cool to hear those just genesis of those things yeah that's dope um so bringing it back full circle with chili peppers anything else you want to add about you know um i could have lied man uh i just i love the chili peppers they're good. Anthony Kiedis is, and Flea and all the, I mean, all of them. I would like to meet meet all those guys, hang out, have some dinner or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> awesome. Do you, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, like my Instagram and all this, YouTube. I got videos. I got albums. I just came out with an EP with my friend Sage Motel. Um, yeah, check it out. Support the homies. Cover stories. You know, all that. Appreciate it. You got a new video that? think Zach directed? Yeah. Zach directed my most recent video, and that's with Sage Motel. It's called Basic Grip. Going crazy. Last two videos I had go out are going, they kind of uh, are making me have to reevaluate how we're doing this because we got a lot of views on some stuff. So we're going to kind of try to hit them harder in a few, probably a few weeks here. Awesome. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on. This is fun. For sure. Thanks for having me. Coming up next, we've got Stab Folly covering I Could Have Lied by Red Hot Chili Peppers. There must be something in the way I feel that she don't want me. So what if I bleed? I can never change just what I feel My face can never show what is not real Seems to have the need to speak Good luck that shares so many sick Sweetest feeling I got from you The things I said to you were true can never change just what I feel My face can never show what is not real Could've lied, I'm such a fool My eyes can never, never, never keep that cool Showed her and I told her how she struck me But I'm fucked up now Smack talk with an earshot Wiping your nose, I'm clean knocks Any a hove, I'm hard knock Like police on front door Like police, I can't do Some things I can't ignore Some things I can't do Make knocking your earphones Wanna put a rhythm in your knocking Sound from the crib, head bobbing I was little kid, friends robbing I was at home, just chopping Rhythms of focus as ever Hoping my lyrics are clever Hoping my love's a blossom Bro to me, get him, I got him Bro to me, get him, I got him Now she's gone, yeah, she's gone away A soulful song that would not stay You see she hides cause she is scared But 
Such a fool, my eyes could never, never, never keep that cool shoulder. And I told her how she struggled me, but I'm fucked up. 